When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and we have a great show for you tonight. We're actually broadcasting from the Leah Kors Center for College Signing Day at, uh, down at Temple in Philadelphia, and Michelle Obama is going to be the keynote. Um, listen, we love hearing from you, so be sure to con- connect with us at uh, womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. My guest this evening is going to be Roberta Trombetta, and Roberta is the founder and CEO of CB Community Schools, uh, also here in Philadelphia, and she's doing something really unique um, and amazing for some children who need it, so I'm looking forward to speaking with her. Uh, A quick shout out and thank you to Jefferson University Hospital, Mount St. Joe Academy, and Baird Financial for their generous sponsorship and support of Women to Watch and our mission. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by Dr. Marianne Ritchie of Jefferson, and she's going to be devoting the entire month of May talking about breast cancer. And she's going to be sharing with us the story of her own sister's journey, her twin sister. Um, So stay tuned for that later in the show. So I'm going to introduce my my very special guest. I'm really um, honored and thrilled to have you here with me today uh, in this unique space here at Temple and uh, welcome to the show Roberta. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You know, I um I did a lot of homework on you and uh I'm always, you know, researching both my guests' background and and kind of personal journey along with the work that they do. And I wanted to to start off with your why. Why child welfare and juvenile um justice is that your your cause? Growing up um, as a young person in West Philadelphia, I experienced my own challenges in life. Um, and it's been a passion of mine since really I've been in eighth grade to work with kids who are abused. 
Is it something you can share about, you know, your own uh, upbringing and childhood? So I grew up in a home where there was a lot of emotional abuse. Um, and what I found was the way to escape that was to get an education. And I was lucky enough to do that and go on to college. And I feel like if I can do that for other kids, that, that, that helps with the trauma and helps you live your own life. So did you become aware of that on your own or was there somebody that came into your life and really you know believed in you and, and talked about education I think when I was afforded the opportunity to go to a private school I had a role model there that really helped me understand what was happening and also un helped me understand that I had a lot to offer the world and that I could do that no matter what my situation was in the past was that a teacher that was a tennis coach. A tennis coach. Yes. Can you give it, who, who was it? A man or a woman? A woman tennis coach. A woman tennis coach. That's great. I mean, I think that so often um, having that one person who sees in you what, what you don't see yet is really key. And helps you get there. And, and helps really, you get there. And really creates the journey for you um, and makes it clear for you and obtainable for you. And I'm assuming that's what you all do every day at exactly. CB Community School. Exactly. That's what we, we do for kids all over the city of Philadelphia who have pretty much grown up in foster care and um, have had a pretty traumatic life living yeah. in foster care. Um, I want to mention that a couple of your kids are here today yeah. for College Signing Day. Tell me, tell me who's here and a little bit about them. So we have three of our uh, graduates that will be graduating in June. Um, we have Aman, who has been, spent most of his life in foster care, um, and he's going to be heading off to Cabrini College. Awesome. Um, and has gotten a scholarship there. And then we have Jay LePen and Marcia, who also are going to graduate, and they are on their way to IUP. That's awesome. Um, it's a, comp a competency-based, excuse me, can't say the word, um, private school. So how does that work? So we created a private school um, basically on purpose. Uh, we are just like any other private school in the region. Um, and we run a curriculum that is competency-based because it's transparent for kids. It's all about getting the skills. So one of the things that we wanted to do for our kids was in Philadelphia and other places, you can actually get a high school diploma getting all Ds. So that means you go to school 60% of the time and, and know 60% of the content. And we wanted our kids to be competent. We wanted them to know 80% of the material so that they could be successful in post-secondary opportunities. And how? what is the process for the kids selected to go to CB Community School? How does that come about? Because so, there's so many. So people ask me this all the time, and, and, and we take the kids that nobody else wants. So these are the kids that have been asked to leave almost every other school. Wow. Um, and so they come to us a bunch of ways. In the beginning, they came from DHS workers and case managers. Now they come from foster parents. Now they come from other kids, which is, which is the greatest mm -hmm. success story, that kids are referring kids yeah. to our school. Here's a question I have for you. The work that you do and what you see every day, it's tough, it's hard, it's sad. So how do you remain hopeful about just, just the life in general when so you I, see that? Yeah, I think the, the, the stories are extremely sad, how undereducated kids are and how really no one has loved them up. But I have to tell you, when you walk in the building 
every day and you see that smile or that good morning, Ms. Trombetta, or hey, Ms. Trombetta, I'm coming, or hey, Ms. Trombetta, I'm going to college, uh, that makes it all worthwhile. And it's about that dedication day in, day out, 24-7 to our kids. Yeah. Let's talk about the moment that you decided to do this. It's a huge endeavor. Yes. You know, it takes a lot of courage on so many levels. And I want to you're an attorney. You, yes. you have a law degree. Yes. Um, what was your degree in? Well, I've, I mean, I'm, my law degree is right here from Temple. Right. But what was your area, I should say, of law? Well, criminal law. I okay. did criminal law prior to um, coming back to Philadelphia. I, I did some death penalty work, and I came back to Philadelphia because I was seeing that the folks I was representing had really horrible home lives that led them down a path that wasn't obviously positive. Um, and so I came back to Philadelphia, and I started a detention diversion program for young people. And from there, I've just worked for a bunch of different people learning sort of this business. So one of the things you did prior to CB um, is you were um, chief operations officer of Philadelphia Family Court. Correct. Okay. What was the most challenging aspect of that job? Uh, getting judges to um, understand the urgency of what they were dealing with and really giving them enough information to really hear the case, um, have the knowledge to make good decisions about young people and families' lives. And so getting judges, who sometimes are judges, uh, listen to you is, is a really hard thing to do. Um, at one point, you oversaw treatment services for Pennsylvania's most serious offenders. Um, can you talk about what worked and what didn't and what works and what doesn't? Yeah, what doesn't work is, is really locking kids up for a period of time um, without giving them the tools they need to be successful after that sentence. Uh, what does work is that it's the first time that many of the kids are out of Philadelphia and they do get exposed to a whole bunch of different stuff. Even though they are technically locked up, it's the first time they've been educated in a consistent way. It's the first time people have paid attention to them. They are eating healthy. So while that doesn't seem like a great thing when you're behind an eight foot fence, um, it does give some kids a chance to take a step back and sort of reset. Is there, what, what's the percentage of uh, boys and girls in the school? So we're about 50-50, 50% girls, 50% boys. And can you talk about a typical day for them? You know, we all know what a typical day, a school day is in any other type of school, public, right. private, parochial. What does their day look like? So our days are never typical because our kids have so many things out outside of the school day that impact the school day. So Mondays are very hard days for our kids coming back from weekends um, where a lot of stuff happens on the streets um, and sort of getting re-engaged in the learning environment and in our community, which is about peace and justice. And so they have to make that switch. Um, but, it, but it's like a regular high school. They come in, they go to classes, they change classes, they participate in after-school activities. Um, and we wish we could run it actually seven days a week because we think that that would be you know, really great for yeah. our kids who are, are really deficient in learning and also deficient in understanding social skills. So is that the goal? You know, the goal is to, to really run the school at least all year. Okay. Um, you were also the CEO at Carson Valley, and I know that school very well. I grew up in Flowertown. Um, I also knew a boy um, from Carson Valley who came to Bishop McDevitt, which was my high school back in the day. And I always had this mysterious notion 
of that place. It's a beautiful place. And, and, um, you know, I knew that those kids didn't come from the kind of, uh, you know, upbringing that I did. Um, two questions I have for you. Greatest lesson from that job and maybe a student there that, that stays with you. Yeah, so the greatest lesson I learned is that residential placement doesn't work for kids. It further traumatizes kids. Um, and so we needed to find alternatives to, to forcing kids to live in an on-ground sort of orphanage place. Um, but there are many kids that benefit um, and stay with me and stay in touch with me from Carson Valley. And so one of my young people who, when I met him at Carson Valley, um, had some emotional difficulties and I talked him off a roof and he now is doing very well. Wow, that's amazing. Listen, um, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, and we're broadcasting from the Lee Course Center at Temple for College Signing Day, and everyone is anticipating Michelle Obama's arrival and some of the uh, incredible artists that are going to be performing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company. Incorporated member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610 238 6636. That's 610 238 6636. Hey, Sue Rocco here with Women to Watch Media, and I'm joined today by Roberta Trombetta, the CEO and founder of CB Community Schools here in Philadelphia. Um, you know, one of the key topics around um, the work that you do in, in that arena is, is welfare, welfare reform, and everybody has different opinions about where it should go. And um, Tell me, tell me your views about welfare, the welfare system, what you think could be changed to make it better and what you think has worked and that maybe uh, we should continue to do. So I think welfare is necessary for some folks in, in our society and definitely for young people who are exiting the foster care system because it provides the, the net, the safety net for them. Um, what we hope to do is change that conversation that our kids are not repeating the cycle of reliance on, on welfare and food stamps and um, by giving them an education, by letting them pursue happiness and, and welcoming them into this world of employment that so many of us enjoy. Yeah, I think it's a tough conversation because it seems to always be connected back to family, right? Everything starts at the beginning, which is our, our, our birth, our upbringing, and our family background. So while we're paying attention and trying to create programs um, that help people that perhaps didn't have that good background and upbringing, what are your thoughts on what we can do to try, try and change the mindset of people in general so that they have more healthy family 
situations. So again, I think it's about showing that um, especially people who are poor can make it out of poverty and be productive citizens of our community. Um, and when other people see that, uh, I think their mindset changes about what welfare is intended or was intended to do, that welfare was never intended for people to live on forever, um, and helping people break that cycle because they want to break that cycle. Right, they you know, do. They, they yeah. really want to get out of it, and our kids really want something different for their lives. And our school is not only about our kids. I mean, we have 15 moms in our school, teen moms, and so we're hoping that not just only they benefit from what we're doing, but their children will not know the life that they knew. That's right. That's so key. I want to get back to you for a minute. Sure. Um, because, you know, what you shared at the top of the show um, doesn't necessarily lead into um, someone who would grow up and go off to law school and become successful and start a school. I want to know where, really where that confidence came in you that allowed you to do that. I think I've had a lot of great mentors in my life, but I also believe that going to private school when you're a poor kid from Philly changed my life. Um, I met a lot of really rich people. I met a lot of really great people and people that were different from what I knew. And that gave me the confidence to be what I wanted to be. Can you tell me, what school did you go to? Mary and Mercy Academy. Mary and Mercy. <laughs> okay. And so was that because you earned a scholarship? How did yeah, you get yeah, the opportunity we, so to go Part there? of that was paid for. Um, and uh, and I, you know, I benefited greatly, greatly from that experience, although very different from leaving the Philadelphia public schools and going into a private Catholic all-girls school. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it really changed my life. That's it. That's an amazing opportunity. My daughter went to an all-girls academy. I think there's something really special about that atmosphere that allows you to kind of, first of all, not have the distraction, right, and the nonsense of, of the boys because at that age, you know, we're all crazy. Um, but there's also a competitive nature among the girls that maybe pushes you a little bit. Did you find that? I found that, but I also found there was support for being a girl and being a woman um, that was different than I had known in elementary school. Um, and so you felt empowered as a woman. Which, you know, we, I want to talk about that because, you know, uh, the premise of this show is really to try to encourage more young girls to pursue leadership. Tell me what your view is on why, why do we need more girls leading across all industries? What is it going to do? I think that what women bring to the, to the work world is this sense of being able to be really strategic and also be really emotional, even though people don't like that word, but bring that love part into, into their work. And um, what, I, what I think is that you know, women have much to offer in terms of helping other people understand other people because we're nurturers by, by nature. Yeah. So what do you think? holds us back because especially today this conversation is being had and we all know it and young girls fortunately they're hearing the good messaging right but yet there's still this lack of confidence um is it historical issues is it in our dna is it what what is it do you think so I think different generations have different experiences I mean I think in uh, this generation of the kids I'm working with now they are hearing tons of media messages about being women and being strong women and women right. are great. Yeah. I think in my generation, you know, we didn't have that experience. We did not. Um, and so we had to really fight 
really hard to make sure that our voices were heard. And that and that gives you a strength that when things are really hard, you just keep going. Yeah. Especially yeah. in this business. You just keep going. Yeah. That's why you're so impressive to me. Because really, anyone who beats the odds, I love that. Trying. And you did. <laughs> and you're being very modest. And I know you don't want to talk about yourself. So we'll go back to some other questions. Um, in your years of experience developing programs for kids, what has surprised you the most? I think the resistance to building really good programs with the government systems. Um, you know, innovation is not well respected sometimes. And so thinking outside the box and trying to do something different, you have to work extremely hard to get a lot of people on your side. Launching the school was significant in this city alone. Um, I'm, you, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And you have to be... You have to be tough. You have to, you know, really keep pushing when people are saying no and calling you all kinds of, you know, names. You just got to keep going and keep going because you know that you have, you're on the right path for kids. So what is the major pushback when you said, you know, people that are really against what you're trying to do? What is, what is their main reason? Um, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that believes that our kids can walk into any school and receive the same education. And once you've had the opportunity to work with our kids and see their transcripts and see what they've been through, what you realize really quickly is that's not true. And they need a special school. They need some place that they can feel safe, that they can have dignity, that they feel welcome um, to get back on track, right? I mean, most of our kids are testing at a fourth and fifth grade reading level when they hit us at 16 and 17 wow. years old. Wow. So there are severe learning uh, deficits. And they also need a place where they can come to. And, and, you know, it even happened here today. It said, you know, your parents got you here today. Well, our kids don't have parents. You know, I thought about that. I heard that announcement, and I thought, there's a lot of kids in here that don't have right. parents. And so they need to come to a place where it's okay that you moved in the middle of the night, or maybe you don't have a key to your home, or maybe the refrigerator is locked, and you can be open and talk about that and have people who understand that. Wow. Um, your work in city government, you've worked in city government, state government, the private sector, law, and academia. That's a lot. You know a lot. You're a wise woman. Um, and I think that requires the ability to access ethical and fiscal issues or focus on both of those. Um, as an outsider, we have this perception that the process slows down or it takes a very long time because people have different values. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the, when you're trying to, to um, push an initiative forward and people have different views or values about how it should be done? How do you approach that? So I think with the school, I mean, in all of my roles, we've, I always keep the kids at the center. Um, these are kids that we as a society need to take care of. And so keeping the kids at the center um, and then and then recognize everyone's views. I mean, we created the school privately. Um, we get a lot of funding from conservative types of people who are really interested in making sure these kids can be productive in society um, and, and not in prison. 
Um, so that's one way to do it. You have to navigate sort of what the interest of your funder or your partner or your collaborator is. But everybody believes that the kids are better off if they're educated yes. and on to post-secondary that's opportunities. Right. right. I, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the fundraising. That's the toughest part, I know. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, and I uh, am joined today by Roberta Trombetta, CEO and founder of CB Community School. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. See, I'm not one of those doubters. I know you have everything it takes to succeed. I know that you are me. And if I can be standing here as your forever first lady, <laughs> then you can do anything you put your mind to. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined by Roberta Trombetta, the founder and CEO of CB Community Schools here in Philadelphia. Um, we, we happen to be broadcasting from the Leah Chorus Center in Philadelphia, where it's um, college signing day, and Michelle Obama is about to come on stage and talk to these kids. And um, I know that some of your kids are out there, which is, is really incredible. What an opportunity for them to be in a place where they feel like we, we do belong here. We're with kids that perhaps came from different backgrounds and we're just as worthy and just as important. Yeah, I think it's an amazing experience for them to be part of something that they would otherwise not be part of. You know, there's rich kids here from rich suburban schools and there's poor kids here and um, I don't think this is anything they ever thought that they would be in before they came to CB Community Schools. You know, one of the, the tagline for, for our show is, is the truth behind her title. And I think we talk a lot about the fact that it really doesn't matter what your title is or who you are. Everyone is equally important. And so when you're talking to these kids and trying to boost their morale and confidence, what are some of the things you've said that you feel make a difference? 
I tell them that I was that, that I was them, you know, that I lived in a similar situation, maybe not as hard, um, you know, and I had opportunity and I seized that opportunity and I am where I am and I, you know, live in the house I live in and I have a beautiful life and I drive a car that I like all because I took that opportunity and I made it, I made it my own opportunity and that they can do the same thing yeah. too and that this is America and you can, you can do that in America. Do you go back to the old neighborhood for I do. I do. I drive around. I look at it. It has great memories for me um, outside of my home life. You know, um, I went to a a, a public school that was diverse. Um, So it has some really great memories for me, that neighborhood. How about siblings? Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have two older sisters. Okay. And are they local? They are not. They're ones in Jersey and ones in Arizona. Okay. Uh, Both doing great things with their lives as well. Great. So we all sort of made it out. You did. <laughs> yes. You made it out. That's awesome. Um, I think the kids need to see people like you, right? You, you know, really having experienced challenges, um, and everybody has their own, you know, adversities. That's always where the greatest lessons are learned, right? Yeah, I tell the kids all the time. the The saddest thing the kids ever say to me is, "I just want a mom," mm-hmm. and I say, "You know, some of us get lucky to have moms, and some of us don't." And being one of them that didn't, I think that. You can do it no matter what. And we are your collective mom, the place to come back to. Even after you do great things in the world, we are always here for you. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to talk about fundraising. And, sure. you know, th- obviously, you know, at the end of the day, you guys need the money to make yes. things go. Um, and we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, need to raise money for certain different you know, reasons and organizations. What, um, how have you gone about it? And, you know, what is your advice for trying to raise money? So when we started this, we started as a private school. Every kid uh, receives a tuition-free education. Um, It's about $20,000 a kid to do this well. Um, And so we have have great individual funders. Um, We launched with a really big gift from a local um, philanthropist. And we continue to raise money through foundations, through EITC and OSTC, which are the Pennsylvania uh, businesses can contribute their tax dollars right to our school uh, as scholarships. Um, and so we continue, and we continue to try to partner with the local government agencies here in the school district to see if there's a way that um, they can help us do this because yeah. these are their kids. Is this the first and only one of its kind, this school? This is the only private school for kids in foster care high school. In the country? In the country that I know of. In the country, maybe in the world. I think. Is your vision to have multiple and and have it really take off across? So we're in that planning stage now of the the school is producing great outcomes and we are working now with other organizations to launch it nationally, the model nationally. Yeah. Um, what? Tell me what the best advice you ever received from someone um, that helps you continue to fight for the kids. You know, someone recently actually just told me I was I was pretty down about, you know, where we're going to be able to make this a sustainable model. And someone said to me, you're a really smart woman, Roberta, and you have um, fought a lot of adversity getting this running. And that was the hardest part. And you are now on the easiest part of the journey of maintenance. And so I think it's about really putting your effort out there and, and being clear about it um, and being strong in your mission and your convictions about what you need to do and not taking no for an answer never yeah. taking no for an answer the other thing i can see in you is that you're incredibly genuine and i think that's so key because when when you're coming f- from a place 
you know, uh, you're coming from an authentic place in your heart, wanting to see something be done. People react to that. They, they can feel it. And um, I just want to commend you on that, number one. Um, Thank you. Do you ever miss law? Do you miss, you know, the practice of law? Or are you continuing to practice law while no, you're I'm not, in school? No, I'm not practicing law, but um, I do miss the, you know, the uh, appearing before judges and fighting for people's rights. Um, however, I feel like that I use having a law degree in this work really makes you a strong advocate because you, you know the way the law functions and you know the rights of young people mm -hmm. and their families. And so it gives you an edge in in working with people to make them understand why and what should happen in court, which many of our kids are involved in. Tell me about your team, you know, the people around you. Oh I'm sure God. you have a right-hand person, and how did you find these people? And I have the most amazing team of teachers um, and, and our other team members, and so um, our teachers are all come to us with many, many years of education, being serving as teachers, a uh, really diverse team, which was really important for me. Um, and with a commitment to, to these children who they have watched been thrown out of schools and, and really wanting to like grab them back up and now they have an opportunity to do that. Uh, we have an amazing principal who was a foster child herself. Several teachers who were in foster care as I well. I was wondering if most of the, the people that work with you, you know, understand came from the mission. Yeah, understand. They understand it. the mission. All of us have. I think everyone in the building uh, has come from a place of trauma and knows their own trauma and has had somebody take care of them and help them on that path to a to their happy life. Yeah. Do the do you, do the kids spend time during the day? kind of in a circle talking to each other and sharing their so wanna, story. They do through uh, groups after school and things like that. During the day, one of the things that was really important to kids was to be regular. You know, everybody has always treated them as different because they're in foster care. Yeah. And they just want a regular school. So we make it as regular, quote unquote, as possible. Um, but we have significant supports at the school. We have an outpatient mental health clinic where kids get individual therapy right on site. We have 27 other partners that come in and out of the school, everything from parenting to, to um, ballroom dancing to basketball oh, to, awesome. to grief counseling, all in the school in this interplay of where the kids don't really even realize that it's sort of happening <laughs> at school um, and it helps them it, it, it's the supports needed to make them stay and engage and learn yeah if you're just tuning in um, you're listening to women to watch my name is Sue Rocco I'm with Roberta Trombetta the founder and CEO of CB Community Schools uh, here in Philadelphia um, the kids do they come back after they've left and you know share their success yeah, they're part of our family. I mean, we are a family, and so we they we have a regular alumni get-together. Uh, we keep track of all of our kids. Um, and actually, we just employed two of our alumni this year. One is working as an administrative assistant for me, um, and one is working in our cleaning business that we started at the school. So uh, we, are, we, we are connected to them every day, all day, for however, to share their successes or to deal with their sadness. Is this a situation where you started with maybe one, two, three kids, and now it has grown into, and I, I'm you know, wanting to know what is the entire um, student body today? Yeah, so we, we have uh, 67 kids today, um, but we started with a group. We, we started, we were um, part of a charter school that um, needed to close for a lot of reasons. Um, and so we took a lot of those kids, and so we started with 50 kids, and now we're at 70 kids is our 
And you know that's with fundraising. So yeah, we'd love to be at 100 kids. Um, so we have to raise the money for that. But know, there are 1,200 kids in the city of Philadelphia that's that could what was use my a school. Question. I'm yeah. sorry, it could no. use a school like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking 67 is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's important to do it in a small setting, um, and so it would be multiple schools uh, throughout right. the city. That's that, right. That, that we think would work. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a model of a private school, right? Which Correct. is when you think back to your days at Mary and Mercy, you don't get lost in the crowd. I'm right. sure there were some girls there with their own issues. I was one of them. <laughs> right, right. So just because you're there, you know. Right. Um, how did you find the location? That, that was a big task, I'm sure. So we were in a basement with no windows, and I just, I went online and I found the synagogue that said they had space, and I begged and pleaded, and when I went there, they had a Black Lives Matter over the elevator, and I said, do you really want to live what you're, you know, preaching here? And yeah. they were like, okay. And yeah. so. Oh, that's fate. We have the best space ever. Yeah. Um, how does the school address the the well, you talked about the um, you have counselors and, and people um, on staff to help them. The day-to-day, -day, though, when they're looking at themselves and they're feeling, um, you know, they're, they're thinking about what's happened at home, how do you address that in, in the day-to-day? -day? Can kids be pulled out if they're having, you know, issues and go see somebody? Is it very an open, kind of an open system? Yeah, so the first thing is we, we live by a set of commitments, 13 commitments, commitments, the peace and justice commitments. And so um, because kids who have experienced trauma present sometimes in behavior that doesn't look nice to people, mm -hmm. but it's really about trauma. So the kids have the ability. We have a full-time social worker. We have a therapist on site, and we have a psychiatrist there every other every Wednesday. Um, so the kids have the ability to utilize those services when they need to, when they need attention. When they That's need how to. we talk about okay, it. Okay, okay. Uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, I'm joined today by Roberta Trombetta, the founder and CEO of CB Community Schools here in Philadelphia. You're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back. Sue Rocco here with Women to Watch Media and my incredible guest, Robert, Roberta Trombetta. I'm surprised I've said that properly the whole show. Founder and CEO of CB Community Schools here in Philadelphia. It's a, it's a private school for students in the welfare system and in foster care. Something greatly needed. And uh, I really hope we get to see more of the schools opening up. Um, let's talk about the kids and the graduation rates and, and you know, what the success of the school and what it's putting out there. Yeah, so our outcomes have been amazing with respect to um, national and local uh, rates of graduation for kids in foster care. So the national rate is that less than 50% of kids graduate high school. Um, and in Philadelphia, that, that goes way down to 30%. Only 30% of kids in Philadelphia are graduating from high school that live in foster care have been involved in the foster care system. And so last year we had 100% graduation rate. 
um, and we're really excited about that. Um, also, kids coming to school, you know, we have an 85% attendance rate, which is a really high rate for kids who have really not been going to school much mm. in the past. Yeah, they want to be there. They want to come. And now what we're focusing more on is around post-secondary opportunities. So, again, nationally, less than 3% of kids in foster care graduate college. Uh, so while we're putting them on that path... As, and we're also putting them on the path to the military, to trade schools, and, and achieving a 100% post-secondary engagement rate, meaning that when they leave us, they are in something that is going to help them get to the next step, whatever that may be, and is productive. Is, the, is there any engagement on your part with with the uh, families, the foster families of these kids? How does that work? So we're involved with some of the foster families. Um, we do large-scale community meetings where we invite, we call everybody caregivers. Um, there are many people in these kids' lives, not just the foster parents. Um, and sometimes because the kids have been in the system for so long, um, you know, they, they haven't had the greatest success with foster parents. So uh, we do a lot of that work. We really do a lot of the parenting work at the school. I bet. I bet. And here's, you know, as a parent of two kids that went to college, that whole process is crazy complicated and, and you know, a lot of work. So are you, you're helping them with that process as well, you know, yeah. filling out all the paperwork and the interviews. and Yeah, we have a full-time post-secondary opportunity uh, member of our community. She's amazing. She's a high school guidance counselor, and she is she stocks the kids. You know, she gets everything done from the FAFSA to the applications to the letters to the you know in and one of the things that we also help out was covering the differential between what the kids get in grants and what they have to pay to go to like a cabrini there could be a five thousand dollar differential and so we get funders to help us do that so if you're interested in supporting yeah. young people yeah um, talk about that's the, one way to do it okay talk about the you know the key ways that people can help if they're listening and this is something you know that's important to them so we need your help and we need everyone's help to do this well um you can visit us on our website at www.cbcommunity.org org, uh, and click the donate button. Um, also, we love mentors. As, as I said, somebody helped me, and I think it takes all of us to help others. So if you're interested in mentoring, give us a call and let us know. Um, and again, one of the other ways is through this college initiative, funding the differential between what they get in grants and what they really have to pay to go to college, because they don't have parents that are going to make up the difference. Right. So people can come, literally come to the school and, and meet with these kids and talk to them and mentor them and come share their us. own yeah. stories, right? We want you. We need you. Yeah. And you're in, um, you're not downtown. You're in... Um, Roxborough. It, it is Roxborough. I think so it's Roxborough. Pe people that are local, they'll be able to find that. Yes. Um couple minutes left. I, I would love you to leave our audience um, with advice again. And, and I know I asked you that, but I think that you're someone who is a great example to women in particular for believing in something and going for it. And, and you know, you said a couple of times, don't take no for an answer. Um, words of wisdom to be able to do that. I think when you have an idea that you think is really going to change people's lives and help them, that you do all the research like I did. You work in every job possible to make sure you understand the field. And then you just put your head down, have a strategy, and get others to believe in your mission. And keep going. Just keep going.
And I saw that firsthand because I'm going to mention that they, they weren't going to let you in the building today. No, they weren't. <laughs> but I kept going. There's I heavy, wasn't taking no for an answer to get here. Heavy secret service here for Michelle Obama. And I we were just, told, I'll share that, yeah, we were told that my guest couldn't come in. And I thought, she's going to figure out a way to get in here. Yeah, I, I begged and borrowed to get in here. <laughs> so that really, you, you know, you, you walk the walk and talk the talk. And, I wanted uh, to be on the show and get our message out there because we need everyone's help to help us do this. Yeah. Well, I listen, I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are and um, we're going to support you in any, any way we can. And we'll be sharing all of the information again um, with our, our, our audience through our website and, and uh, through social media. So thank continued you, success to you for this really important work. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's You it's are amazing. more than welcome. Women to watch. Now we're going to turn to Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who's here for our Health Watch. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sue. Well, during this month of May, we celebrate Mother's Day. So I'd like to dedicate my four-week reports in May to my own mother, my sisters, and my mother-in-law, all of whom showered me with love, and to all our women listeners, because we're all nurturers, providing motherly love to all those around us. My precious mother died on May 18th, 25 years ago, overwhelmed by breast cancer. My dear mother-in-law also had breast cancer, but tonight I'd like to share the story of my beautiful twin sisters and their remarkable breast cancer story. I've mentioned before, Sue, I'm the youngest of four sisters, and the oldest were identical twins. In fact, mirror twins, if you've never heard of that. Judy was left-handed, Tony right-handed. One had a natural left part in her hair, the other right. Left eye tooth would come in, the other's right, and so on. Both even had ulcerative colitis. And about five years ago, Judy was found to have an 8-millimeter lump in her left breast. And yes, like out of a bad novel, Tony ended up a few days later with the same size 8-millimeter in her right side. Fortunately, Tony is still with us, but Judy is in heaven with our parents. The take-home message is, despite my mother and twin sisters all having breast cancer, along with other cousins in our family, the twins... BRCA tests and extended genetic testing were all negative. So, take-home message, a negative BRCA test does not let you off the hook. BRCA only accounts for a very small percentage of breast cancer cases, even with a family history. So my third sister, Ellen, and I have a mammogram every January, an MRI every July, some study every six months because of our risk. And the American Cancer Society says that most women who develop breast cancer do not have a family history. So in the upcoming weeks, we'd like to talk about mammograms, bracket testing, and self-breast exams. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Ritchie. We look forward to your segment next week. Thanks. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A thank you to Dr. Ritchie and also Roberta Trombetta for joining us this evening. Have a great week, and thanks for tuning in to The Real Story Behind Her Title. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.